And as you describe that small thing leading to a sense of abundance, that actually feels just a little bit more manageable. I can do small things that bring unlikely people together. This is Chapter, Verse, and Season, a lectionary podcast from Yale Bible Study. Join us each week as Yale Divinity School professors look at an upcoming text from the Revised Common Lectionary. I'm your host, Natalie Owens-Pike, Yale Divinity School Class of 2023, and in this episode, we have Joel Baden, Professor of Hebrew Bible and Director of the Center for Continuing Education at Yale Divinity School, and Sarah Drummond, Founding Dean of Andover Newton Seminary at Yale Divinity School. They're discussing Psalm 133, which is appointed for the 12th Sunday after Pentecost in year A. Let's take a listen. Psalm 133. How very good and pleasant it is when kindred live together in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head, running down upon the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down over the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord ordained his blessing, life forevermore. I don't know there's a psalm shorter than this one. It's three verses. It's, you know, like an opening gambit of a nice little sentiment and then a couple of weird images and we're done. And yet somehow it feels like there's so much packed into these these scant three verses. It's very efficient. It's an incre- incredibly efficient. And even it's efficient even though I think it's really got like one thought that's expressed in the first verse. And the next two verses, you could, I mean, we could stop after verse one. You know, how nice and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together. I mean, do you, do we need more than that? I think that's, there's plenty to say there. Well, I want it to say more because I love some guidance. How exactly, how exactly do we get there? I definitely am moved by the very notion that God is happy when we are unified. And I feel like, Out of all of the different ministerial leadership challenges that are swirling around in faith leadership right now, trying to get people onto the same wavelength in terms of even just being able to talk to one another is feeling less and less attainable. So do you read this and think, yeah, but it's like, it's like practically eschatological? I read it and I think God is pleased by human unity. Human unity is pleasant. And it would be super pleasant if it would rain chocolate chip cookies. And it would be super pleasant if I could fly. And the um, pep talk dimensions of the psalm in that sense feel not as encouraging as I wish they they did. And I think that's just kind of why it's, where it's hitting me right now. One of the things that I'm really mindful of is the um, the metaphors themselves have a lot of dimensions to them that I don't understand. I don't know what they they mean. Although I do feel, especially in a time of drought in other parts of our country, I do feel like the notion of water in abundance, ending a drought and bringing about generativity, that is a visual that encourages me some. But what's the deal with Aaron's 
beard. <laughs> Having never owned or operated a beard, even as a, a Lebanese American woman, it's true. I wonder what is that about. I it does it, it does seem to like land on the beard a little bit firmly. This this poem, right? Running down onto the beard, the beard of Aaron. Not just any beard, right? No, and actually, that's pretty much the 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 Aaron identification. There is, is pretty important because when we've got oil being poured on a head uh, and that head happens to belong to Aaron, then we're talking about a pretty specific kind of oil, which is say this sort of priestly anointing oil, mm. um, which is transformative, right? It's it, This is the oil that transforms Aaron from guy to, you know, super magic high priest. And so the, uh, but I, you know, the image of it here as being transformative, if if this is the thing that's being compared with people dwelling together harmoniously, there's a transformative nature there, and I think that's what's going on in the in the second part also, uh, or the second image, which is the the dew that falls on the uh, on the mountains. And what's interesting here is it's about abundance and it's about fertility, but it's not saying, you know, the torrential rains that it's due, right? The the little thing, right? Like the drop of oil that you put on Aaron's head mm-hmm. that, you know, flows down onto his collar, right? That transformed him from from guy on the street to priest, right? That the little drops of water that fall on the hills, especially in the deserty regions, right? Transform arid into flowering and and transform uninhabitable into in, in into uh, if not abundant then at least inhabitable. Mm-hmm. What, what can we do with the with these these images? Well, if we bring them back to the original statement, it's not just good and nice when people dwell together. Right? We go from it, it takes you from you know arid to to fertile. It takes you from from barren wasteland uh, to inhabitable, right? The world is uninhabitable without people getting along. Well, what you're saying that helps me to see this passage in a really different way comes back to that idea of it's a small thing. It's a small thing that when brought together with other small things can bring about transformation, can bring about transformation toward abundance. The image that comes to mind for me just randomly out of nowhere was an event that I attended in the this past spring where some of Andover Newton student leaders brought together students in the common room during reading period to eat. And one of our students was going to give salsa lessons. And I have a lot of pictures of very unlikely pairings of people dancing salsa together. And as you describe that small thing leading to a sense of abundance, that actually feels just a little bit more manageable. I can do small things that bring unlikely people together. How good and pleasant it is when people dance the salsa together. How good and pleasant it is when they dance the salsa together and when they eat empanadas and just do this small thing. Having said that, I still will admit that I read this, you know, how nice it is when when people dwell together and think to myself, that really would be nice. Like it still, it still doesn't feel, and maybe that's, and maybe that's because we read this in a really global context, right? We're thinking big picture, right? Why can't everyone just get along? And that feels unattainable. And what you just talked about is not unattainable. And in fact, what the text says is how nice, not when everyone dwells together, but it says achim, right? Brothers or even kinsfolk, right? Just people who are Related. It's not even, it doesn't even say neighbors, right? Just, right, you just 
maybe you could get along with your family. And this is even, I mean, we could even get more, we could even to dwell, what, how nice is when, when kins people dwell together, right? that is literally how people dwelt back then, right? Like family units lived in houses together. And so like the harmoniousness of just a family unit, that's transformative. And so I think that if you, if you read this and think big, big picture, right? Why can't we all just get along? It's really easy to be disappointed. And if you think what's like the drops of dew that in the end end up collecting and, you know, like running down into the Jordan and creating fertility throughout the, like each, the, the drops are the small things. Mm-hmm. But they're also the small extra things. And that um, like dew is condensation that needs to congeal and come together. The oil that runs off the beard is the oil that didn't soak in. So another way we could even think about the smallness becoming something more significant is to say, sure, you can, you can cohabit and you can make an economic unit. But going that further step of living together in harmony, that's just awesome, but it's also extra. And maybe it's not always attainable, but when it does happen, it's a beautiful thing. The thing, the part of, and, and the part of this that we haven't really hit on is the very last line, right? There, the Lord, you know, ordained a blessing and everlasting life. And the question of where the there is. It, I think sort of ties the whole thing together because in this in in the poem, uh, it's like the dew that falls on the mountains of Zion. There, the Lord ordained a blessing, right? Zion, obviously, but really, the there I think can and should be the place where the the people dwell together, right? It's that right where 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 people dwell together, even just kinsmen kinsfolk dwell together. It's good and pleasant, and it's in those moments that God creates life, right? That's where, right, the ordaining blessing, right? That's the oil on Aaron's head. He becomes he becomes blessed. He becomes holy. The everlasting life, the life-giving of the water, right? Those things are captured, right? That blessing and life-giving is captured in the place where the, the people are, are dwelling together. Another way we could look at the there, the where of the there, would be back in that very first line about goodness and pleasantness. I often think about God's inbreaking, those moments of awareness of God's presence, what what some might call the thin place where you feel like God is very, very close. And by their very nature, they're fleeting. They are just this momentary alignment between our earthly existence and our sense that there's something bigger out there. And I would describe those moments as good and pleasant. And they are not permanent. They don't feel that way all the time. And that is the source of frustration that I came into this conversation with. But I think that by accepting and acknowledging the very fleeting nature of the good and pleasantness of unity, I'm maybe not measuring our culture today of disunity and unpleasantness toward each other by an unfair standard. Thank you for listening. And thank you to our professors for your insights on this scripture. The transcript of this audio and lots more Bible study resources are available at YaleBibleStudy.org. Chapter, Verse, and Season is a production of the Center for Continuing Education at Yale Divinity School and is produced by creator and managing editor Joel Baden, production manager Kelly Morrissey, associate producer Aidan Stoddart, 
executive producer, Helena Martin, and me, your host, Natalie Owens-Pike. Mixing on today's episode and our theme music are by Calvin Linderman. We'll be back with another conversation from chapter, verse, and season.